Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this thought, beyond my world. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 14. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For ye, we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel, in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the testimony that we've heard this morning. We're so thankful that none of us are throwaway people, that you can reclaim our lives and our homes, that you can use us, And Father, we acknowledge to you that what we are today is by the grace of God, not our own doing. And we rejoice in that. And Lord, there's a world that needs to hear that. And I pray this morning that you would challenge us and speak to our hearts and help us to lift up our eyes and see that field that is white already unto harvest But help us not to see just a field of people. Help us to see their faces, sense their need, and put in our hearts a desire to reach them with truth. So help us. Holy Spirit, take your word and minister to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the world is immense, isn't it? I stand amazed sometimes at how many languages there are how many people groups there are. You stop and think of of seven and a half to eight billion people in this world. I'm going to be honest with you, I get confused after a hundred. But to think of the immensity and then to consider that even though there are billions of people, there is but one name by which every man must be saved. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And God so loves this world. He wants to save this world. And in its immensity, he speaks to us and tells us that it is our mission, our responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature on this planet. Now, I don't know about you, but I do know about me. And I'm going to tell you that as much as I do love the Lord, I am, I am just astounded at the prospect 
of preaching and reaching an entire world. Can I make a confession to you today? That, that one of my problems is, is that most days I live my life really not very concerned about anything beyond the three-foot bubble that surrounds me. Oh, if an event affects my life, I care about it. If someone intersects my life, I care about it. But to be able to envision reaching an entire world, hey, I'm just really concerned about me. And yet, we're called to be people that live beyond the bubble of our own lives. Paul was such a man. Uh, Paul was born in the area of Syria. But his world stretched from Asia Minor to Spain, from North Africa to north of Israel. And not because he was some jet-setting trendsetter. He wasn't a CEO dashing off on his plane uh, to another continent for a meeting with other billionaires. He was a committed Christian that took seriously the commission that God had given. And as one man having none of the resources that you and I have, he committed himself to literally reaching the entire world that he could for Jesus Christ. And so he was a man that lived beyond his measure. I'll explain that in a moment. He was a man that was absolutely committed to reach beyond his borders, beyond his bubble. And he was a man that by faith lived beyond his means. I want us to look at those things and consider the need of that for our own lives. Notice with me, first of all, we are called to live beyond our measure. Notice again verse 14. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. All through his ministry, Paul had what I guess we could term as kind of an adversarial relationship with the church at Corinth. And many times they would kind of dig at Paul and and kind of resist his leadership, his authority. And this is one of those times, and in essence, They're rejecting the thought of reaching the world. I think maybe their attitude was, hey, we got enough going on in Corinth. We're just going to concentrate on Corinth. And they're suggesting to Paul, Paul, you're a dreamer, thinking that somehow we in Corinth can reach an entire world. And in answer to them, Paul says to them, hey, we reached you. Can I remind you that at the first, when Jesus ascended into heaven, there was a mindset that the gospel was for Jerusalem. And they preached the gospel in Jerusalem, but the Lord wanted the gospel to be for the world, and he disturbed them, and they, there was a diaspora, there was a dispersion, and they found out that, hey, you could take the gospel to Samaria. Oh, you couldn't take the gospel to Samaria, not to those people. Oh, no. And you know without me telling you, there was an intense prejudice and hatred for the Jews, between Jews and Samaria. But you know what happened? 
they did take the gospel to Samaria and Samaritans did get saved. Well, you might be able to take the gospel to Samaria. There, you know, there's a, some part of a tradition of, of our religion there, but you could never take the gospel to the Gentiles. But you know what happened? They did take the gospel to Antioch. And it was at Antioch such a, an evangelistic revival broke out that they were first called Christians at Antioch. And that gospel spread from Antioch. It was in that church at Antioch that they got the true vision of, of a, a missions ministry out of a local church. And Paul took the gospel with Silas and others to Asia Minor, to the islands of the Mediterranean, and eventually it jumped an entire ocean, and we find ourselves in Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica. And, and by the way, you and I sit in this room this morning in Grace Baptist Church because the gospel jumped another ocean and came all the way to here. And all I'm saying to you is this, that the power of the gospel is not measured by the individual. Mike Edwards, the measure of Mike Edwards can never get the job done. But pour the Holy Spirit into a surrendered Mike Edwards and allow the power of God to work through individuals like you and I. And the measure of the gospel is ever enough, always enough, and can reach anywhere that God wants it to reach. We talk about closed lands. We talk about uh, uh, issues and barriers that are so large that we can't conceive of how to get over them, how to get around them. But I assure you, with the power of God, any land can be reached because God wants it to be reached. And by the way, that's why Paul tells us to be very careful in verse 17. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. It's not the work that missionaries do, certainly they are used of the Lord, but it's the work that God does through missionaries and the measure of God's power that can accomplish so much. And so I say to you that job number one of your missions month is for us to understand that, that there is life beyond our bubble. There is life beyond our home, beyond our church, beyond our city. There is need so great in this world. And if we will allow God to work through us, allow God to lift up our eyes and see the great need, that by God's power, these places can be reached. Ephesians 3 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I won't take a long time to develop it, but now unto him that is able. I am not schooled in the ancient languages. I took an elementary Greek course uh, 47 years ago, so I am a Greek scholar, okay? But I do have a strong concordance and it makes me extremely dangerous. And the thought of being able, Strong says it means this, to be possible. Now unto him to whom with everything is possible. You know, I believe that in principle, but I find it difficult to apply it personally. 
But God is able through me to accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish in my life. And, and, and the mission of this missions month is to say to us, let's stop doubting. Uh, let's stop being fearful of believing that God can do great things even in this world. I, I've lived a few years, and can I be honest with you? I don't remember the world being this messed up. Do you? Did you know that that's no barrier to our God? Our God has worked with cultures like ours. Our God has worked with generations. Our God has worked with sinful men since Adam and Eve left the garden. And God is not stymied and God is not defeated. God can work through us. And if we are filled, we can work beyond our measure and fulfill His. I want you to notice with me, secondly, that we are to work beyond our borders. That's what Paul says. He says in verse 15, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. One of the great political questions of our day is how do we deal with those who come to our nation both legally and illegally? And it's a question that needs to be answered. It's a legitimate question. But I'm going to be honest with you. That which requires our attention today, that really ought to be our focus, is not to overdwell on the thought of those who are coming here, but to be deeply concerned about who we're sending there. Who Grace, Church, Grace Baptist Church is sending over there? I'll stop and say this. There is a tremendous need for laborers in the gospel. It is what God asked us to pray about when he tells us to look at those white already unto harvest fields. One of the prayer requests he gives us is not just for those who fill those fields, those persons. He says, pray for laborers. The laborers are few. I, I am the treasurer and have been the uh, president of, in the past, uh, Baptist International Missions Incorporated, B-I-M-I. We have a thousand missionaries on the field. You know what we had two years ago? We had 1,200 missionaries on the field. You know what we anticipate having in two years? 800 missionaries on the field. That breaks my heart to say that. We can't stay up with the rate of retirement. We can't stay up with the rate of returning families and missionaries. And I'm just telling you folks, there is a lack of of people going to the field. You say, well, preacher, why are you telling us that? Because it is go where is God going to get those missionaries? The non-denominational churches are very concerned about health, wealth, and that kind of gospel, and they're very concerned about other issues that, that bring us back to that bubble. But if God is going to get people and families to go to the mission field, you know where he's going to get them? Churches like this, in meetings like this. And there needs to be a willingness of every person in this pew, regardless of age or status or job, there needs to be a willingness 
not to just go because you feel like going, but to at least have a heart that says, God, if you want to deal with my heart, I am open to doing what you want me to do. I find in so many places not even an openness, not even a willingness. Paul was saved around 42 A.D., He spent some silent years in the desert being taught of others and being taught by the Lord himself. Around 46 A.D. began traveling the world preaching the gospel. For the next 15 years he traveled by foot and by ship. He was supported by others but also when needed he worked as a tent maker. He preached in cities and villages both in and out of season. He preached in Jerusalem, North Africa, Asia Minor, Greece, the islands of the Mediterranean, Italy, and even in the capital of the Roman Empire itself. He preached in Rome. I am absolutely convinced that if he had had any modern means of travel, he would have covered the globe. He preached to Jews and to pagans. He preached to paupers and to kings and anyone that would listen to include those who kept him in prison. He loved them. There was no border, there was no barrier that could keep him out if it was the Lord's will that he goes in. And he literally, he was a man who literally lived the Great Commission. That's an astounding life. I see that phrase, regions beyond, Paul was willing to go to the regions beyond. And I I sought to really understand what is the regions beyond. Because certainly today, the regions beyond for us are probably in a different understanding than for Paul. He didn't even know there was a new world. But one old commentator from hundreds of years back, I think, nailed it. He said, you know what the regions beyond are? They're still further. Still further. And I say to you, and I say to myself, that one of the things we need to reclaim in our lives is a willingness to go still further for the Lord. I I look at myself. I'm in my 70s. And sometimes there is an attitude that can come into my life that says, I've gone far enough. I've done enough. I've served enough. I've given enough. And then God breaks through and he says, no, no, regions beyond where you are still further. Sometimes we think, well, we've gone to our city, we've gone to our state, and God breaks through and says, no, no, still further. You say, well, I've given all that I can of my resources. God says, no, no, still further, still further still further. And the spirit of the missionary and the spirit of the missions-minded church must never be, I am content with where I have gone. It must always be, I must go to the regions beyond where I'm at, still further. C.T. Studd, one of my personal heroes, was a, a famous cricket player. Now, we don't understand much about cricket. But if you roll the clock back to the 1800s, C.T. Studd was the athlete of the world. He was a great cricket player. And he made a bad mistake. Kidding. He went to a D.L. Moody uh, meeting and got saved. 
And after he got saved, he realized that being the world's greatest cricket player wasn't what he thought it was. God got a hold of his heart and he became a missionary on three continents before his life was over. But one of the things he said was this, quote, some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I don't know how, how uh, judicious that statement was, but I know this, I love the spirit of that statement. Because the spirit of that statement was this, I, I thought I had the world, and when God saved me, I found out that what I had wasn't worth much. And I want to take that message throughout the lands of this world. He also said this, quote, If Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. What a statement. And how we need to put into perspective our lives what we have by the grace of God. And understand that our lives are to be used up for Him as He was used up for us. How do we get that? We plead with God to help us to see the world as He sees the world. I sat in pastor's Sunday school lesson and was just convicted about how sometimes I look out into that multitude of sinners and I see the piercings and the tats and the trans. And can I just be honest with you? I'm repulsed by that. That lifestyle and that mindset that is so anti-God, so anti-Christ, it repulses me. But then I'm reminded and so thankful that I was convicted in Sunday school that when Jesus looks on that same crowd, he sees their sin, but he loves them. He's not repulsed by them. He's compassionate towards them. The songwriter put it this way, and I'm not a good singer, but every once in a while I just like to sing. He said this, Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world of men who don't want you, Lord, but a world for which you died. Let me kneel with you in the garden. Blur my eyes with tears of agony. For if once I could see this world the way you see, I just know I'd serve you more faithfully. How do you care about people you don't know? How do you care about people in places you've never been and you don't know how you would ever get to? How do you care about the regions beyond? You see through the eyes of the Lord Jesus 
and recognize that what he's done for you, he could do for them. I end with this thought. Let us live beyond our means. Again, back to verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other man's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged. You will never hear me say the phrase, live beyond your means, in any other context than concerning our giving to the work of the gospel. I am the tightest, cheapest man you've ever met in your life. I don't have debt. I hate debt. I don't want debt. But I want to see people get saved. Faith promise is an unusual thing. Sometimes I think we explain faith promise incorrectly, and I'm going to preach on that tonight. How, how should we? But, but let me quickly say here, faith promise is not some mystical thing that happens to us. We don't know what it was all about. We just know that God set a number to us, and we wrote the number down, and somehow God gives us that number. That's, that's not what faith promises. Can I tell you what I believe faith promises? Faith promise is a willingness to sacrifice and a trust of the Lord to help you with it. You see, the greatest giving the world has ever known is sacrificial giving. If we're careful to understand that, when we talk about God giving, it's always in terms of giving His Son, His only begotten Son. If we talk about Jesus giving, the greatest giving is Jesus giving his life for those that could care less about him. We were very unlovely, you know, when he died for us. And then the Lord comes to us, and I believe he is most honored when we see a need that is close to his heart, and we make a decision that we would deny ourselves and give to what is close to his heart, I think that's a pleasing thing to the Lord, that we would be willing to sacrifice for what God highly values. That's sacrificial giving. And I think the thing that is closest to the heart of God is the souls of men and women. And when we will unite with that purpose and say, Lord, I, I, I will give. I will put you first. I will, I will see the need that you see, and I will give to that need. I think God then comes around and blesses us in significant ways. I'll explain that more tonight. I think of one example. I think of that widow that God sent Elijah to. And when Elijah arrives there, she has enough meal to make a cake for her and her son. And by the way, enough oil to make those cakes. Her, her plan is a good one. They're going to eat those cakes and die. And Elijah, I kind of see him as a Baptist preacher. And the Baptist preacher shows up and says, I, 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 um, make me that cake first. Can I tell you something? No Baptist preacher that is worth his salt wants to say that. 
And no Baptist preacher thinks it's easy or finds it fun to come into a room like this room on a morning like this and encourage people to be sacrificial. I want you to have everything you want. I want your lives to be wonderful, fulfilled, satisfied lives. But, but I can't get past this Bible thing. And God sent Elijah there. And God said, Elijah, say to that lady, make me a cake first. And I, I'm just telling you, it had to tear Elijah up to do that. And, and yet God sends us and says, teach my people to give by grace. Teach them to give by sacrifice. And I'll show myself mighty on their behalf if they'll put my cause first. And what happened? Make me a cake first. And that lady trembling. Well, he's the man of God. It's God's word. And she takes that meal and that oil and fashions that cake and bakes that cake and gives it to Elijah. Now, wait a minute, and watches Elijah eat it. She goes back to that barrel thinking to herself, stinking Baptist preacher, always talking about money. You know what I love about Missions Week or month? We talk about money and none of it stays here. <laughs> none of it pays for the lights. None of it pays a salary. None of it buys pews. It all is to reach people for Christ. She goes and she says, I can't believe it. I, oh, she looks at her son and says, hey, we, we're going to have to do without. But the man of God and God's word was to give it and she opens that barrel and what's there not a full barrel enough enough she goes to that cruise of oil it's not a full cruise but you know what's there enough and she fashions those cakes and she eats a cake and her son eats a cake. And tomorrow she goes back to that barrel. Well, it's over now. There's enough. And the cruise has enough. And day after day after day after she gave sacrificially according to the word of God, she is provided enough because that's how God works. When we are willing to put his Work, word, others first. God always comes around behind us and supplies what we need. Too often we lead our lives too timidly. Too timidly. Instead of stepping out and trusting the Lord with what He has given us and what he's commanded us we try to hold we it's not that we don't love the lord it's not that we don't give but we we live timidly in our giving and here and this this i'm done one of my great regrets in life or one of my great fears in life is regret that i would have an opportunity and miss the opportunity that, that God would say and, and lead me and I would miss it and I, and, and I would stand before him someday and, and regret. Did you know that 
in my life, I will never regret not taking a vacation but giving the money to missions. I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm just saying, when I stand before the Lord, that'll never be a regret. (laughs) Nobody has ever stood before the Lord and said, I knew I needed that new Cadillac. For me, it'd be a red Corvette. I knew I should have bought that red Corvette. Nobody will ever say, "I, I, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time with the Lord. No one will ever express regret over having put Christ first and been sacrificial in their giving to Him. I conclude with this illustration. In 1904, there was a man named William Borden. He graduated from a Chicago high school. You know who William Borden is if you're my age because you remember Elsie the cow. Anybody remember Elsie the cow? Yeah, this was the Borden family of the Borden Dairies, and man, they were millionaires. And Mr. Borden wanted the best for his son, William, and he determined that the best for his son, William, was to become a tycoon in business like he was. And so when he graduated from high school, to broaden his experience and his understanding, he said, "Uh, William, uh, your mother and I are going to send you on a world tour. We're going to send you so you can see capitals and nations and peoples because I wanted to broaden you so that you'll have a better understanding for business. Mrs. Borden had been teaching William the Word of God, taking him to Sunday school and church. He's a saved young man. On that worldwide tour, instead of broadening his understanding of business, you know what happened? God got a hold of William's heart when he saw the need of the world and called him to be a missionary. When he finally got home, he told his father, I'm going to be a missionary. And his father thought, oh boy, what a waste. But you know what? You'll get that business out of your head. We're going to send you to Yale University. Don't recommend you go there today. But they sent him to Yale University, and his father thought when he gets there and studies, he'll get that foolishness out of his head. When he got to Yale, he started a rescue mission, started a preaching mission in all the dorms, led hundreds of students to Christ and hundreds on the streets of New Haven to Christ. He graduated from college. God had laid on his heart particularly a people, the Kanzu people. He had seen them in Mongolia in the upper reaches of China on his world tour. They, it was a, a rare thing because they were an Arabic-speaking people living in China. You know them as the Uyghurs today. He had to go to Cairo, Egypt to learn Arabic so that he could go to China to reach the Kanzu people. Thirty days after he arrived in Cairo, He contracted spinal meningitis. 25 days after he contracted spinal meningitis, he died. Oh, they said, what a waste. What a waste of a life. He could have lived in luxury. He could have expanded the enterprise. What a waste. They found his Bible And recorded on the fly leaf of his Bible, he wrote these words, quote, No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. Young man, dead, a foreign land, 
Could have been a billionaire by our standard. No reserve. No retreats. No regrets. That capsulizes what I'm trying to say today. That we need to live our lives not holding back. Not retreating from commitment. And living so as to the Lord that we live without regret. That may mean that we have to give sacrificially. It may mean that God is stirring in our heart even now and we would be willing to say, God, I'll go. The songwriter put it this way and I'm done. By and by when I look on his face Beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face. By and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my life than I e'er gave before. By and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish, I'll wish I had given him more. I didn't get saved until I was 23 years old. Wasn't raised in a Christian home. One of the greatest regrets of my life is that I lived all those teen years, our early married years, my early years as a dad without knowing Christ. I don't want to stand before the Lord and regret that I never saw the world like he saw the world. I don't want to live before the Lord and realize that I had lived so timidly I couldn't trust him with my life and my resources. I don't want to live and stand before the Lord and realize that I had no sense of being sacrificial for what was valuable to him. And I say to all of us this morning, let's go beyond our measure. Let's trust God to use us in ways that he can use us. And let's break out of our bubble and let's go beyond to the regions beyond. Let's go further than where we are today. And let's trust him. And sacrificially, let's be willing to live beyond our comfort zone. And whatever it takes to accomplish what is closest to his heart, what is most valuable to him, let's be willing to do that as his people today. Would you pray with me? Father, we're very grateful for this time you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see this morning that sometimes the only limitation on what you can do through us is the limitations that we ourselves put. We live timidly. We live with our eyes on our own needs and our own focus. Lord, we measure things by what we can do comfortably rather than what you can do through us. 
And so I pray this morning that you would help us in this missions month to purpose in our hearts that we will try to lift up our eyes and see what you see, to see the need and then to have a sense of your heart. And Lord, I pray just now that people, I know what the economy is, I, I know that. But I pray that we would purpose in our hearts to go still further in our giving. Many of us profess to care about the missionaries, but we pray so little for them. And I pray that, God, there would be a stirring in our heart to become sincere, serious about praying. And Lord, I pray that in the hearts of some today, some teen, some young couple, some some middle-aged or older couple, there's so much that can be accomplished. Help us to be willing to go still further and to give our lives, at least give you access to our hearts to tell us that you'd like to use us. Lord, help us to see it and to respond to you in it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to quietly stand to your feet. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to play. Maybe you'd like to spend some time at the altar, at your seat, just asking the Lord, Lord, I, I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to miss what you're saying to me. And Lord, if you would like me to go to the field, I'm open to that. If you want me to go still further in giving, still further in praying, still further in reaching out to this community, God, I'm not just content to be where I am. I'm willing to go still further. Would you consider that at your seat? Would you consider that at this altar? God, I'm open to whatever you'd have for my life. Would you come? Oh, it's so easy to grow content. It's so easy to say we can't go further, but we can. God, help me to see. Help me to see. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.